This morning, I invite you to open your Bible, if you will, to the book of Romans, and we're in chapter number six today. And so if you'll find your copy of God's Word and open it, turn it on, find Romans chapter number six. I encourage you to do that today and look with me as we continue where we left off last week. And Paul is writing to us now. It's a change. It's a, he's talking and beginning, beginning with chapter number six. It's about our sanctification. It's about our growth in Christ and our development in Christ's likeness. Paul is teaching us to understand the principles of spiritual growth and our sanctification in Christ. The Lord has not only saved us from our sins so that we might spend eternity with him in glory, but God is saving and doing a work in us, bringing new life into us, forgiveness, freshness, hope, freedom from guilt, acceptance, and new life. So often when a person comes to know Christ as Savior, it's so fresh and new and vital and transformative and filled with hope and acceptance and the, the bounty of God's grace is an overwhelming, wonderful, glorious thing. But then, if we're honest, right, there are struggles that we began to experience in that new walk with the Lord. Those struggles then in Christian life can bring discouragement if we're not careful. And we get our eyes, if we're not careful, on other people and their development or lack of development. And old issues want to crop up, old patterns, attitudes, failures, disappointments. And we begin to feel discouraged and sometimes even defeated. Can I share with you a good news? God's will for you is not to live a defeated life Amen. or discouraged, but he has great and wonderful plans for your life. And God is working in your life, bringing full and complete saving work into your life. And this is what Paul said. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 4, and I'll get to the text in a minute in Romans in just a moment. But listen. Additionally, then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you've received instruction from us on how we should live and please God as you're doing, do this even more. For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is God's will. Now listen, you don't have to pray about whether it's God's will for you to be sanctified. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who don't know God. He's saying, he says, I want you to win in your life. Be victorious. Grow in your faith and your walk with God. I want you to live out your new identity in Christ Jesus. Don't go back to an old life. Live the new life that God has called you to. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, would you look at me at the text, with me at the text? 
And today, remember, what we have been united with Christ, reunited with him in the likeness of his death, and we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection in verse number five. Now look with me in the beginning of verse six. That's to text today, Romans 6, beginning with verse number six. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who's died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also what? Live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you, too, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of this text would seep deeply into our hearts and our mind, our understanding. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that false ideas would be cast aside and torn down and the new understanding of who we are in Christ might be made manifest in our lives. Father, I pray that today everything that would distract us, we would set aside. I pray that today every thought that goes astray, that, Father, that we, might, that we might reject. And, Father, I pray that today we might hear you and understand the life that you've called us to live. And that, God, we might be encouraged in our faith and strengthened to live this new life you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in verse number six, he says, for we know and knowing this, this is something that we know we're settled on, we're assured of, we have this truth, and this truth indeed is a fact. Now in chapter number five, remember in verse number 20, Paul says, the law came to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more. Where sin was abounded, grace superabounded, and there was an awesome grace. And this grace abounding is, is God's wonderful way of lavishing his love on us. But some wrongly thought that if somehow our sin meant there was more grace, then should we sin more that there might be more grace? And Paul says, absolutely not, verse number two. God forbid, no way, how can we who died to sin still live in it? What he meant was, you're dead to sin. You are alive to God. You're to live a brand new life, not live an old life. Remember your baptism Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose again. You, you died, and the old Tim is dead and buried, and a new Tim lives with Christ as his Lord. We can live a new life. 
And the reason that we can live a brand new life is because you are in union with Jesus Christ. You're united with him. How many of you all know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Then I want you to tell your neighbor, I am united with Christ. You're in union with him. You're married to him. You're one with him. You're crucified with Christ. And so this is the good news that we have. You are crucified with Christ. That's the very first point here. In verse number six, he says, you're crucified with Christ. Now notice what he says in verse six. We know that our old self, the word self there means man. We know that our old man was crucified with him. That means our old person, our old nature, the way that w- the person that we were w- were before. And when he uses the word old here, it means that which is worn out, torn, and undesirable. It's the stinky, smelly life of your life before Christ. Aren't you glad that that one is dead and gone? Amen. It's old. It's miserable. It's sinful. It's enslaved. It's destructive. Notice verse number six, that our old self, our old man, was crucified with him. Meaning when Jesus Christ was dying on the cross, he was crucified for your sins and for mine. And when Christ died that heinous death on the cross, you see him there and he bore your sin. But also when you by faith trusted in Jesus Christ, he not only bore your sin, but in some real mystical way, you've become united with him and your old man's dead and buried and a new man lives with Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It's transformative. 2 Corinthians 5 verse number 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. Tell your neighbor, you're a new creation. The old has passed away, and a new man has come. Tell your neighbor, you're a new person. You're new. You don't have to live that old way. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, which is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Tell your neighbor, Christ lives in me. Christ lived. How many of y'all believe that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is here today. Jesus is with us today, and Christ is in you today. Some of you walking around like Eeyore. (laughs) Poor, pitiful me, life, you know, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. You got to be old and watch Hee Haw to know that song. (laughs) That is, that attitude is out of the pit of hell. Amen. You're a child of God. Hallelujah. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been crucified with Christ. It's not, no longer I who live. Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Don't pre- 
Paul's not saying pretend that you're crucified. Paul's not saying crucify yourself. Paul's not saying, well, beat yourself up and make yourself feel bad. What Paul says is, look, look at the cross. And look on that tree. Look at that criminal's cross. And look at that wooden beam. And look at the perfect man, the son of God, the prince of peace. And see him there. In all of his beauty, in all of his glory, in all of his love. And see the suffering. It was not for his sin. It was for yours. In all of your rebellion, in all of your past life, it's nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. By faith... In Christ, you were nailed to the cross, and you are in him, and his resurrection power is in you. And you can live a new life. Secondly, you are liberated in Christ. Not only dead in Christ, you're liberated in Christ. Chapter 6, verse 6. The second part of the verse, notice... Your old self was crucified with him, purpose clause, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, or the body of sin rendered powerless. This flesh, this weak body, this body that easily is tempted, is rendered powerless. Powerless. The word powerless means annulled. It, it, the, the Greek word there that is used there means it's out of business. It's out of work. It has no power over you. It's impotent over you. Christ, you are crucified in Christ, and the body that was once ruled by sin is now rendered powerless. It does not rule over you. I hear people say, well, I'm just only human. I just can't help it. That is a lie out of hell. Christ has liberated you. He's changed you. You aren't what you used to be. You've been set free. This is the power. Notice he says, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Stay with me. You're not captive. Before you were captive, you were held captive by Satan's devices. Before you were enslaved by Satan. Before your eyes were blinded. Before you walked in darkness and disobedience. Before you lived in rebellion against God. Before you lived in condemnation. Before you were children of wrath as the rest. Before you were headed to hell. Before you lived in the fear of death. Before, you were without hope in this world. But now, you are different. You have a new Lord and King. You have a new life. Your eyes are open to the things of God. There's hope that dwells in your heart and your breast. There's love that you can have for one another. There's forgiveness that has happened in you, and you can forgive others. You're a child of God. 
Your names are written in heaven and on his palms. You're heaven bound. And you have a citizenship in heaven. And you no longer fear death. Because our king has conquered it. Tell him in. In 1 Peter chapter 4 verse number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse number 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered, meaning he suffered so as to die, in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same understanding, because the one who suffers as to die in the flesh is finished with sin. Did you know you're finished with sin? You're a new person. In order to live the remaining time in the flesh, how do I live this life in the flesh? No longer for human desires, but for what? God's what? Will. Would you say it with me? But for God's will. That's how you're to live the rest of your life. For the will of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. This is the scripture. For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Christ has set you free. You can live a new life. Point C, you are alive to God. Notice what it says in our text of Scripture, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with Christ. In verse number 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, you consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Can I share something, some good news with you? You are alive to God. You're to live a life holy before the Lord. You're to live a life transformed. You are a child of God. He's made you a kingdom of priests. In the Old Testament... You remember the Old Testament priests coming out of Aaron, from Aaron, and they were to be dressed in priestly garb, priestly garments, remember? And they are to wash themselves, clean themselves. Their undergarments are to be washed and clean and sprinkled. And the priests of God were to wear the exact made specifics for the priests. And in this garb, the priests were to wear, they, their names were written on, on, on jewels on their shoulders and on their, the ephod that was uh, on their chest. And they represented the tribes, the children of God on their shoulders and over their heart. The Urim and the Thurim were packed in the pocket of the priest's garments in order they might discern and know the will of God. And in all of that garb, they're to wear a turban. And that turban was like a crown. And they would wear that as they would approach the, the, the place, uh, a minister among the people of God. And on that turban was a nameplate. And printed on that plate, you know what it said? Holy to the Lord. Who made them holy? God did. And he set them aside to be holy, to be ministers of holiness, to understand their identity. 
When they went into the very presence of God in worship, God looked down on them as they're covered in those garments, and he realizes that they are coming representing God's people, and they've been cleansed by the blood of animals that have been sacrificed. But we know all of that pointed to one who ultimately would be the sacrifice for all of our sins, and that's Jesus Christ. And when they presented them, stood before God, God looked in his holiness down, and God was reminded as well, they are holy unto me. They're my holy priests. But as they ministered to one another, it was reminding others, I am holy unto the Lord. It was reminding themselves, I am holy unto the Lord. My friends, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were covered up in garments of filth and pollution. And all of your garments to save yourself were nothing but filthy rags. But God removed all of that from you. And he has cleansed you and washed you with the blood of the Lamb. And he's clothed you with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he's stamped on the forehead of your life, holy unto the Lord. And you're to live a life for the glory of God. You're a kingdom of priests. God's given you a ministry. That'll make somebody say amen in this. Yeah. Can't be just John and I are happy today. <laughs> just imagine. Just imagine that you would... The angel Gabriel would come and visit you one-on-one. -on -one. Just you. All of a sudden, this towering, huge, bright, shining messenger, angel of God, would meet with you one-on-one. -on -one. Gabriel, the angel that stands in the presence of God. What would you do? Would you might feel a little bit of anxiety? Now just imagine, it's just you. And all of a sudden, this towering angel of God is in your presence. He's holy. He's sinless. And here I am, I'm... Well acquainted with my failures. And you might want to fall yourself down before him. And you might want to say, oh, how unholy I am. But you would be wrong. Because if, if you are in Jesus Christ. And you stand in Christ alone by faith. Then as he is, so are we in this world. You are a child of God. Amen. And you're holy unto him. All of your sin has been completely paid. And you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Somebody ought to say amen. Not only that, you're confident. Notice in our text in verse number 8, it says, Now if we died with Christ, notice the tense change here. 
we believe that we will also live with him. Did you know what? God's got a future for you, and it's confident and it's sure. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 11, listen to what the scripture says. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Aren't you glad God's not done with you yet? You know what? God, he who began a good work, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Let me tell you what, God's saving work is a thorough work of salvation in your life. He has saved you. He has justified you from all of your sin, and he has saved you from your sin. Can somebody say praise the Lord? So you have been saved from the penalty of sin. You no longer bear that penalty. Secondly, he is in the process of saving you. That's sanctification. He is sanctifying you, changing you. So God has saved you. God is saving you. And so that is saving you from the power of sin. The sin doesn't rule over your life any longer that you can live as a child of God. But his saving work isn't finished there. God says, the Bible says, you are saved, you are being saved, and you shall be saved. What does that mean? That you will be glorified with King Jesus. Jesus, that you'll be raptured out of this world and you'll have a brand new body like you've never, you've, oh man, I'm happy. John, I can't wait to see you dancing all heaven on two legs, man. It's going to be awesome. And you know what? We're all going to have a new life, changed, transformed, and we no longer live in the presence of sin. There won't be any sin at all. It's God at work in you. He saved you, saving you, and will save you. He's not done. Amen. Live out the reality that you're a child of God. And this is exactly where he goes to. Now, verse number 11. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. How many imperatives... Do you think are found in the first part of Romans? Do you think there were more imperatives in chapter 1 or chapter 2? Or more imperatives found in chapter 3 or chapter 4? Well, it's kind of a trick question because the first imperative found in the book of Romans is right here. Chapter 6, verse 11. It's the first exhortation on what to do. For five and a half chapters, he's given us an understanding of what God has done before he brings to us, how then do I live? In chapter 6, verse 11. The foundation that he lays is God is a God of holiness. That man is a, um, a sinful. And that all men have sinned, Jew and Gentile alike. And that we're all lost under our sin. And we're all under the wrath of God. And that our only hope is the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. And our salvation is not earned or merited. It's, it's by faith. Faith in Christ, the just shall live by faith. 
And it's the atoning work of who God is and that you now are united with him. And then he comes to verse number 11. Now you do this. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. That's the call on your life. That's the how-to. That's the application. That's the imperative. The word reckon means to count. To account. It's a commercial term. It's used 19 times in the book of Romans. And it means to impute into somebody's account. So he says, number one, consider yourselves dead to sin. And he says this, says this again and again. In chapter 6, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, he reminds us you're dead to sin. But then he says, consider yourself alive. Reckon yourself alive to God. I love that. It says in verse number 11, alive to God. Verse 10 says concerning Christ, the death that he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life that he lives, he lives for to whom? To God. Listen, you have a life to God. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know your identity in Christ? You need to reckon yourself, consider it, keep this thought in the front of your mind. Stay with me. You are reconciled to God. You once were an enemy, but now you are not an enemy because you've been reconciled by the blood of Christ. Secondly, you're a child of God. You are a child of God. You're a son of God. You've been adopted into God's forever family. You're loved by God. He's loved you with an everlasting love. God demonstrated his own love for us. And while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to worry about whether God loves you. He's demonstrated that he loves you. You're an inheritance. You're co-heirs with Christ. You're joint heirs with Jesus. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You've been born from above. You've been born again. You're not the old man that used to be. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. You're free. You're free. You're free to the things that are past. And you've pressed forward to all that God wants you to be in Christ you got a new destiny. you got a new citizenship. It's not here. It's there. Just imagine that you had two bank accounts in your life. The first bank account is nearly always empty. I, I can identify with that, can't you? That bank account's kind of empty. You're always fighting to keep the balance in the black. You're worried about overdrafts. You're fearful. And day to day, you're just barely surviving. You live on that poverty line. So many of us have been there and have lived there. But spiritually, that's the bank account of your life. But just imagine that there's another bank account 
that's in your name. And in that bank account, it's got your social security number on it. And in that bank account, it's flush with cash. Never ending supply of cash. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. But the balance is always bearing interest. And the growth of the account is always more than you could ever spend. And it's yours. And when you live and, and, and it provides you security, ability to live, ability to bless other people, And the ability to fear without anxiety. To live a life without anxiety and fear. But you never access that account. You ignore it. But instead you choose to live under this account. What a tragedy. That you live like a pauper. When you could live like a king. Spiritually in Christ, you don't live an old life. You live a new one Amen. as children of God. That's what Paul's saying. You're alive to God. You're a child of God. He loves you. He's with you. He strengthens you. He protects you. He supplies your every need. He empowers you. He walks with you. He guides you. He changes you. That's what God does for you in Christ. Isn't that good news? Amen. Amen. Now finally today, how? How do I conduct my life in light of this truth? If we're today going to look to the book of Colossians, Lindsay read part of this text today. And so I want us to look together to Colossians chapter number three. Do you have your Bible? And if you're going to need your Bible, look with me to Colossians chapter number three. And we're going to begin with verse number one. So then you've been raised with Christ. Here's the same terminology. Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So how do I live my life in light of this truth? First of all, you need to believe the truth. Do you believe that you're a new person in Christ? How many of y'all believe that? Raise your hand. The book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, listen to what it says. He's rescued us from the domain of darkness and he's transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. How many of y'all believe that you've been born again? Raise your hand. How many of y'all believe that you're a child of God? Raise your hand. How many of y'all believe that you can live a new life? Raise your hand. Listen, God's with you. Believe the truth. Secondly, this is what you to do. Seek the things that are above. Notice in verse number th chapter 3, verse 1. Seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What are the things that are above? That's the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, security that's found in God. That's where you seek love, seek a new identity, seek the will of God, seek strength to live courageously, seek the power to live victoriously. Seek grace in your time of need. Seek the things from above. Then he says, set your mind. Focus. 
and focus on the things above, not on earthly things. Now listen, you can focus your life on earthly things and your life will be poorer for it. You can look for toys, all the toys the world offers. You can look at money and houses and wealth. You can look at politics, God help you. You can look and fill your life with what's on Facebook. Just go to your settings on your phone, and I want you to look at how much time you spend on apps on your phone. Now, I want you to feel convicted. How much time do you spend on Facebook? How much time in social media? And how much time are you spending in the Word of God? Set your mind on the things above. Don't get your mind on lost people. Don't get your mind on comparing with other people. Set your mind on the things above. Worship God. Seek the will of God. Set your mind on the things above. Some people have said, well, she's so heavenly minded, she's no earthly good. That's exactly wrong. My experience is, the people that are most heavenly minded are the most earthly good. Because your mind is on the things that are true. Amen? Put off the old life. Chapter 3, verse, notice what chapter, verse number 5. He said, now, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Verse 8. Put away, put off. It's like clothing to take off. Put off all the following. Verse 8, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your life, mouth. Don't lie to one another. You've put off, verse 9, the old self with its practices. It says, cast off the old grave clothes and put on the glory clothes, the resurrection clothes. Put off anger and malice and slander. Those are dead. They're filthy rags. They're smelly. They're, they're, the, they're the old garments of an old life that's crucified. And you put on these new things. Chapter 3, verse 12. As chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, Put on, that's the language, dress on, put on, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. I don't have time to go on. We will pick up these themes again. Again, six, seven, eight, talking about sanctification in Romans. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. This is just as the Lord has forgiven you, you forgive. Put that on. And then notice in verse number 15. Be thankful. I think one of the keys to live in this Christian life is to be thankful, to be grateful. When you're grateful, are you a grateful person? Are you a grateful person? Tell your neighbor, I want to be grateful. Can I tell you what happens to you when your heart's filled with thanksgiving? When you're, hum when you're filled with thanksgiving, it makes you humble. Because there's nothing that you have that God didn't give it to you. When you're filled with thankfulness, then you're not judgmental of other people. 
When you're filled with thankfulness, there's no arrogance that fills your heart. Not only be thankful, verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell among you. Be filled with the word of God. Now, let the word of Christ dwell in you. But let it, well, listen to what it says. Let the word of Christ richly dwell. What does it say? Among you. Not just in you personally, but among you. At our church, community groups are essential. And being in fellowship around the word of God. In the preaching in our church, it's going to be centered and saturated with the word of God. Because our only hope is in his word. And your personal life, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Be in the word. But also notice, be in worship. In all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another. How? Through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Singing. To whom? Singing to whom? To God. With what? Gratitude. Thanksgiving in your hearts. Worship God. In community. Make the focus, the glory, and the beauty, and the love, and worship God. In your church family. When you withdraw out from fellowship of God's people... That is not at the initiative of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But it's the enemy. Yes, and the enemy wants to separate you. The enemy wants to isolate you. The enemy wants you to feel lonely. The enemy wants you to feel defeated. And the enemy wants you to make, make you feel bitter. And the enemy wants to make you think that it's not real and the enemy wants to sow lies and discord and defeat into your heart. And that's not who you are. But here's practical instruction on how to live this new life. As God's people. We're going to pick this theme up. I'm not done But we got next Sunday, Lord willing. Amen? Amen. Are you walking with him? Are you living for him? Are you crucified? Are you alive? Let's live our lives for the glory of God. Till he comes again. Amen. Father in heaven, have your way in our hearts, our lives. In this service, and as we respond to you today, I pray that we say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.